I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. I'm not super religious, but, you know, you think God giveth and he taketh, right? And you take something away and then he gives you something special on that same year. So it's a roller coaster. This is Death, Sex, and Money. Never go in against the Sicilian when death is on the line. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. Money, all that matters to you. And need to talk about more. Rule number two, spending the night is optional. I'm Anna Sale. In early October of 2013, a 14-year-old boy named Avante Akendo disappeared from his public school in New York City. Police are still asking for the public's help in finding a missing teenager. Vontae Aquendo walked out of his Long Island City public school on October 4th. He is autistic and nonverbal. How he even got outside the school is being investigated. The priority missing person flyers with Avante's school picture papered the city. Search parties scoured train stations and parks looking for Avante. One of the people helping to direct the search was Avante's older half-brother, Danny. Anyone on subways? They're going to be with... Esmeralda, anybody in cars, you come to me. And this is his story about what happened after those desperate weeks of searching, when the adrenaline and the headlines faded, and Danny Akendo was left changed. Danny didn't grow up with Avante. After his parents split up when he was a kid, Danny lived with his mom in northern New Jersey. He was their only child. But he'd spend summers in Queens with his dad and three half-brothers, including Avante. Danny was 12 when Avante was born. I just remember how, how playful he was, uh, how much he enjoyed, you know, wrestling, play wrestling and watching music videos and just how kind of happy-go-lucky he always was. When did you realize that there was something different about Avante? Uh, we pretty much knew once he had turned two or three and he wasn't really talking. Um, he's, he was nonverbal, so that... When it came to a point where he's like, wow, he should really be talking by now, that's when a lot of the an intervention started to happen with doctor visits. And eventually he was, he was diagnosed with autism, and we were told why he wasn't speaking. Did you get the feeling that he kind of saw you as his big brother? Like, when what would happen when you would come visit? Um, he would kind of almost like attack, like jump on you, and um, he would check check my pockets for candy. And <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's definitely a relationship there where – he knew uh, I was family or, or brother, if you knew the concept of brother. Did you have candy in your pockets ever? Sometimes. <laughs> Danny was the oldest child in the family, on both his dad and mom's sides. It had its perks. I was sort of a golden child, I guess you could say. It didn't hurt that Danny was also a football star. Myers and what a great catch at the 49-yard line. Going up high, it's number 17, Danny Akendo. Wow. 
Danny was a wide receiver at the University of Maryland. He got playing time even as a freshman, and he was noticed on the field long before that. I was pretty much getting recruited freshman year in high school, eighth grade, before that even. Uh, I kind of felt like I always had what it took early on in high school. You always have the, I guess, the, the dream of playing in the NFL and, you know, making millions of dollars and having your family set. Growing up, money was sometimes tight. Danny's mom did administrative work in schools, but it didn't always cover all the bills. I'd say we were at the higher end of lower class, I guess, you know, trying to cusp the middle class, you know, almost there, but not quite there. What was it that didn't quite feel secure? Um, I, you know, we always had food on our, on our tables. We always had clothes on our back. Um, but now and then, you know, you'd get a late rent, a late rent, rent request, you know, you'd get knocks from the super, you know, kind of pay your rent, pay your rent. So there was little things here and there that you knew, but things that are a little different than for some people. Lights turning off. Did that happen? Yeah. A few times here and there in, in my life. Like, how would you understand that as a kid? Um, Maybe there were a few times where, where I was a bit embarrassed, but I think for the most part, I was always a very, very proud kid, and uh, I don't want—I don't really have an, have an ego, but I knew that my mom and my family were always doing everything they could for us to have food on our plates. Like I said, so I never really get let something like that get to me. It's interesting that you say a proud kid. Yeah. What do you mean? Um, just proud from where I come from. Proud of who's who's in my family. Proud of who's taking care of me, and proud of the things I do. So I would. Never let a moment where someone else's, I guess, vision of what life should be like kind of kind of craps on mine. Danny has a quiet intensity about him. There's none of the showmanship that some wide receivers can be known for. But his focus is clear. In the end, though, his professional football dreams got derailed by his own body. I tore my LCL, my lateral collateral, in my, my left knee. And then um, I had a heart procedure also around that time for a uh, hole in one of the tubes in my heart. So I'd be out of breath. Uh, there'd be a lot of dizzy spells on the field, off the field. And they eventually just, you know, we can correct this pretty easy, and they did. Did that ever feel like something that could be um, a really serious problem when you're exercising that rigorously? Yeah, I think so. It feel almost feel like you're having, uh, I've never had a heart attack, but it feels like that's what it would feel like, definitely. Like you have to stop what you're doing or else you're going to really hurt yourself. I mean, you don't hear about football players getting heart surgery during the off season. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort yeah. of unusual. After my last season, maybe a few months after that, I, I kind of like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to be on this grind and just call it quits. Was that scary? I guess it's when you're playing something for so long. It's it's scary to you know you're you're done with it. So it's it's like wow, what's what's next? Or that's really done. So it's it's something that you have to get you have to get used to, you know, playing football since you're 5 years old and then when you're 21 after 15, 16 years, it's like, well, that, that's it. I was done with college that um fall of my last season. So I was I had nothing, yeah. When you went to college, what did you think you were going to do after school? I didn't think about it so much. I know my mother had wanted me to go and get into law school and be a lawyer. Um, it could just be her golden child attitude about me. But <laughs> as someone who didn't have to pay for college, I was extremely scared of having to pay for law school. You know, you're talking thirty five, thirty six thousand a year. And I just didn't feel comfortable taking out the loan to go at the time. And this is like 2008, 2009. So you... 
So, yeah, you graduated right when the economy was falling apart. Yeah, exactly. The perfect time. Like many other college graduates around that year, Danny needed to move home after school. His dad had moved to Florida, and Danny wanted to take the opportunity to reconnect. Growing up in my mother's household, I guess I never really got the chance to really live with my father and my father's side of the family who all lived down there in Florida. Did it feel like something was missing, like you just hadn't quite developed a deep relationship with your dad? I guess when you when you're a child, you know it's you're always yearning for that time. You know, no matter how much love is shown when you're when you're with a parent or you're with a loved one, um, if that time's not there, sometimes it's always going to feel like well, I feel like there's some time missing, and it it, it sucks because you're when you're a child of parents that are separated. You know, the amount you see them sometimes is based upon how the parent's relationship is. So, the better that relationship is, the more you're going to see the other parent. I guess I was looking to have some of that time back. Did you call your dad and say, can I come live with you? Um, I didn't say, I didn't think I asked. I said, I'm coming to Florida. <laughs> I'm coming to Florida, dad. He's, uh, and he's ecstatic. He's, you know, this is what he's, he's always wanted to. You know, he, he always counted down until I was 18 so I could, you know, make my own choice to, to live with him. You said he was counting down to when you were 18? Yeah. <laughs> Did he tell you that? Oh, yeah. He, he would tell me that all the time. Because I can't wait till you're 18 and you come live with me and it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be your choice and we're going to, have father-son time. In Florida, things fell into place for Danny. He got a good job with an electronics recycling company. He eventually got his own apartment. He spent a lot of time with his dad. And he had a girlfriend. We actually went to prom together in high school, and then we dated for a while in college. And then after a few years living in Florida, um, she came down to visit a few times, and we kind of just sparked things back up. Then came a phone call from New York. Danny's brother, Avante, was gone. Here and there, um, he'd get out the house, but it was never anything for more than 10 or 20 minutes. So once we heard that he was gone for, you know, a few hours, we knew something was different. Our last episode was about Mike and Suzanne, a married couple who went through heroin addiction and recovery together. Those aren't their real names. We heard from a lot of you afterwards about how addiction has touched your lives. Megan sent in a voice memo from Florida. She got addicted to heroin when she was 21 and spent seven years trying to get sober. In December 2013, I decided it was time to stop for good. I went to treatment for one final time and joined a 12-step fellowship when I got out. I've been in that fellowship ever since and use it as part of an everyday life that is now completely not what I imagined it would be. I absolutely never thought that I'd be able to function as a normal human being, let alone a successful human being. Megan went on to work as a counselor for other women trying to get and stay sober. Another listener, Katie, in Boston, works at a methadone clinic. The episode gives me hope that listeners will hear the voices of real people and that your hearts will be touched. It is horrible that Mike is facing charges but that doesn't undermine his and Suzanne's story and the major accomplishment they have made by working on recovery. The charges Mike is now facing are not drug-related. They're for sex abuse of a minor. We heard from a listener named Adrian in California who wrote in about a friend who's currently serving time for a sex offense charge. I struggle with the reason he's there, Adrian wrote. But I also remind myself a mistake doesn't define a person, but how they deal with those mistakes proves who they are. We'll follow what happens in Mike's upcoming trial and what it means for Suzanne and their family. 
On the next episode, we bring you our live show from Brooklyn. Actors Rosie Perez and Mahershala Ali and comedian Hurry Kondabolu were there with their family members. Plus, singer Lisa Fisher performed live, and Dan Savage gave me some more real talk. You will instantly become the Democrats and the Republicans the second the baby is born. And the problem is, if I can rant for a second, rant ahead. (laughs) If you don't realize that's what you're doing, it can destroy your relationship. With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we're looking for. So when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. Enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Biton and Noam Weissman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. So check it out. Subscribe to Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wondering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. When his dad got the phone call that Avante had run away from his school, Danny Akindo wasn't surprised at first. Avante was a kid who often wandered. On a school form, his mom had written, please make sure you keep an eye out. He likes to run. Usually everyone's on, on high alert. You know, he's not going to run out the door when, you know, he's got people there and all the locks are on the door. Um, there's an, there's an alarm on the door, so... What do you understand about what would trigger him to want to flee? Uh, I don't think it's sometimes. I don't think it's something in particular. A lot of times, um, sometimes it could just be a comfort level. Um, so I, I think it's it's something that'd be hard to put kind of put your finger on. You know, you just you don't really know. Some autistic kids are just just wanderers, and that's what it is. They canvassed the streets and surveyed the air. They scoured the East River, even looked in sewer drains. As the, sun the search for Avante eventually expanded throughout New York City's five boroughs. Subway conductors announced a missing person alert on trains. The NYPD has expanded its efforts to find the boy, especially here in the subway system, since Avante was known to like trains. A van drove through neighborhoods, blasting Avante's mother's voice from a speaker. Danny coordinated volunteers who fanned out from Avante's school. For weeks, Danny held out hope. If you knew him, you'd know why we're out here, and we'll be out here for as long as we have to until he's found. When did the adrenaline first run out? I'd say it took at least three three weeks, three weeks to four weeks um, of us kind of you know sleeping outside, of sleeping in our cars. Um, you kind of start to lose hope. You're really just, you're, you're desperate for anything, any kind of news. You really start to be dis- become disheartened. Why were you sleeping in cars? Uh, it was literally nonstop. You know, there was always volunteers coming to, to a school to see any ways that they can help. And we were kind of just pointing people in different directions of where to go or where we haven't searched yet. And we just never wanted to, to leave that site. So if we weren't looking for Avante or pointing volunteers of what to do or where to go, we were just literally sleeping right there and at that school. Like, what was it like with your with your dad 
doing that during the search? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's good that we were. I mean, it felt good being there with him, you know, searching for Avante. But you know, you still see the look on his face, the distraughtness, how emotional he he was getting, the weight we were losing. Uh, it was it's it's hard to explain. It, he was just, just visibly distraught at all times. So it's you know, on, on one side, you know, you can't we can't find Avante, we can't find a brother, and then the other side, I'm looking at the faces of my father and my other brothers and his mother. Uh, it's there's just a sadness from from each direction. Did you get angry? There are pockets where you get angry, you know, angry at, at the school for allowing this to happen, angry at any particular employees that might have allowed this to happen. You know, usually the sadness overcomes overcomes the anger and the anger. You know, it's you get angry for a second, but it just turns into sadness. After about a month, Danny's leave from work ran out. He had to go back to Florida. Fall turned to winter. More than 400 tips came into police. Avante was still missing. Then, three months after all this started, on a cold January morning. The NYPD's boats were back cruising the East River. As the family of Avante Equendo clings to hope. Police came upon and later removed human remains on the shoreline of Powell Cove Park. Tests have now confirmed the human remains are those of missing autistic boy Avante Okendo. What did that have an answer that was the worst possible outcome? No. What what did that feel like? It, it was terrible. It was like someone dropping a thousand pounds on, on your head, you know, especially after everything we tried to do to find him, all the ans- all the other answers that we were looking for and hoping, you know, there couldn't have been any any worse news than that that he you know he died drowning you know some the last person in the world that deserves to to die at all to die one of the worst ways it, terrible was there a service um yes we had a service what was it like uh, it was just de- depressing i mean just seeing Everyone that's for the past f- four months, you know, looking looking for Avante, you know, just seeing the the changes for everyone's body and everyone's demeanor. Um, I, I I've never been a part of anything that was as sad as that was as as uplifting as as it was to be able to to say say goodbye with our all of our family there. It's just they're clearly taking its toll, and it was hard. I had a breakdown moment, you know, carrying his casket out in, into the um, into the hearst. Uh, just, but thankfully, we have a we have a great support system in our family, just picking each other each other up when we when we go down. After all this, Danny started to feel like Florida was just too far away. He decided to come back home. It felt important to sort of attempt to rekindle all my relationships with my family members. I wanted to make sure I told everyone that I was related to or that I loved, that I loved them. Are you close to Avante's brothers? Um, yeah. It's been it's been hard lately after Avante's disappearance. You know, it's it, it's been hard to, to remain close. Um, everyone sort of goes through tragedy um, in their own way, and, you know, it's it's been hard, hard there trying to mend everything and pick up the pieces, so... 
that's still that's still a work in progress. The loss also brought him closer to his girlfriend, Ileana. They quickly moved in together in New Jersey, where she works as a pre-K teacher. What is it about her that you think makes you two work? Um, she's very different from me, so I think, and and uh, not to say cliche, but she sort of com- she completes me. All the things that I'm bad at, you know, she's she's great at. Like what? Um, so in regards to any kind of, I guess, talking emotions wise, she's very good at <laughs> getting getting that out of me. Um, I'm just disheveled chaos, and she she's an organizer. While everything occurred with Avante, she was probably one of the one of my biggest support systems, and was just my net to fall on whenever I felt so down and didn't want didn't want to keep going. Losing Avante also gave Danny renewed focus for his career. He spent his first summer back working with a local law firm that specializes in cases involving children with developmental disabilities. You start to see a lot of the holes that exist, and you want to do whatever you can to fill them. It's just, it's, it's a very flawed system. Danny decided it was time to try law school. He enrolled at New York Law School a year and a half ago, while also holding down a full-time job. Is your work paying for your lifestyle now and student loans are paying for law school? Um, actually, I, I'm on scholarship at New York Law School now. Um, after my first year, I finished at the top of my class. So when that happens, they give you a full ride. Um, so I don't have to pay for law school anymore. Is this the hardest you've ever worked? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's It's been very hard. Every day I walk into school, you know, I'm reminded of the reason I'm walking into school. Um, every time I finish a test, you know, he's who, I, he's who I think about. He's who motivates me. Do you have a picture of him in your home? Yes, we do. We have a few. There's one where he's taking a selfie. That's one of my favorites. Um, so I have that one hanging up in my office. When did he take the selfie? Um, this, I'd say a year before that. Um, he did it on the phone, on the on an iPad. And it's just a cute picture. You can tell he's, look, he's looking up at the camera and smiling. It's a great picture. A few months after Avante's body was found, Danny and Ileana found out they were having a baby. Their daughter, Saviana, was born the day before Danny's first law school finals. With every new thing that my daughter does, it's, you know, it just brings a smile on my face ear to ear. So, you know, she's starting to say, I love you, Dada, every time I leave the house. As far as, like, your parenting style, are you, are you exceptionally focused on keeping your child safe? Um, yes, for sure. <laughs> you know, we have, like, little child locks on everything in the house from dressers to the toilets just so it might be a little a little hyper in regards to <laughs> uh, my protective parenting style but i better safe than sorry does iliana have a similar style mm, no <laughs> no she tells me to simmer down i hope the older she gets you know the the less i guess the less worried i become but it's hard to say Danny Akendo. He's scheduled to graduate from New York Law School in 2018. He and Ileana are expecting another baby, a son, this May, and they're planning a wedding for next summer. You can see their prom picture on our website at deathsexmoney.org. Since Avante's disappearance, New York City has installed some 18,000 door alarms in schools across the city as of late last year. 
Avante's mother filed a lawsuit against New York City after Avante's death. The trial is scheduled to start later this spring. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios. The team includes Katie Bishop, Chester Jesus Soria, Emily Botin, Hannah McCarthy, and Andrew Dunn. Special thanks to WNYC's Beth Fertig for her help on this episode. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. And maybe you all knew this, but we just figured out you can leave an iTunes review directly from the podcast app on your phone. Just search for Death, Sex, and Money, click on Reviews, then click Write a Review. Do you say Okendo or Okendo? I kind of interchange. Um, it's really, it's Okendo. That's how you say it in Spanish. Uh, but over the years, I've just kind of got accustomed to saying it the, the American way, Okendo. Letting other people yeah. say yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. WNYC.